Welcome to a negotiation conversation with experts sharing their experience, lessons, and advice. These recorded sessions may occasionally include quirky background noises and recorded adjustments because they're casual conversations focused on providing valuable content. I'm your host, Penny Rosema. This is a conversation with Jennifer Pastikas. We met through another networking connection, and the conversation started with, I think you should meet Jennifer. Boy, am I glad I did. I'll start with a little bit about Jennifer. Jen has always been a type A super achiever. She was the one who got straight A's in school and was devastated when she got a B. She was the one who held herself to such high standards she needed to check all the boxes in life. That super achiever nature followed her to her career in the corporate world. After 20 years in corporate, climbing the ladder in financial services from bank teller to senior vice president, and doing all the right things, her health took a turn for the worst in 2019. She ended in total burnout. After years of striving, she felt like an empty shell without passion or direction in her career and life. The time of healing that followed was hard, but it was also a gift. It made Jen look at herself and realize she didn't need to be perfect. She let herself off the hook from checking all those boxes and stopped trying to be a super woman. She finally understood what she wanted for the first time in her life, and here's what's important for us. She wanted to give back to women so they could avoid the same traps of striving, perfectionism, and not speaking their truth. She currently runs the Brave Women at Work podcast and maintains a website, bravewomenatwork.com. You can listen to her podcast on Apple, Stitcher, and Spotify. If you would like to learn more about Jen and how she helps women, visit her website or contact her on LinkedIn. You can find links in the show notes of this podcast. Hello, Jen, and welcome to the podcast on negotiation conversations. It's great to talk to you today. Oh, it's so great to be on, Penny. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm excited. We uh, recorded a podcast a, a few weeks, months ago, I guess it was, um, on your podcast, and I had such a great time, and there was such synergy there that I couldn't wait to you know get back and uh, do the same recording for my podcast program. And I want to start out with congratulations. Your book is launching in October. Tell us about that. Yes. Yeah. yeah, so thank you so much. So um, I have a first book coming out October 11th, a hardcover, and it's called Brave Women at Work Stories of Resilience, and it's going to be available wherever books are sold. And I have to tell you, Penny, just a small tidbit of how like it came about. So um, it came about just as a dream. I always wanted to write a book ever since I was a little girl. And it's one of those things you're like, oh, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. And then, you know, kismet, like it just happens and it flows if you if you listen to those signs. And so I had a guest, another guest on my podcast. Uh, with the same name, Brave Women at Work. And um, her name is Hope Mueller. And I asked Hope, I said, hey, do you want to write a book together? And I did not know that Hope owned uh, like her own publishing company uh, called Hunter Street Press. And she's like, yeah, let's do this. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, she uh, kind of held me accountable. So the book is a compilation of women's stories. There's eight authors. Uh, and we talk about bravery and resilience. 
And we talk about like health conditions and divorce and moving beyond relationships and burnout and all the things that all of, you know, many women face, we all face. And just, it's so inspiring and it motivated me throughout the entire process. And I hope that anyone picks up a copy of the book will feel inspired and motivated too. That that's such a great gift to people because when you start reading someone else's story, you often see yourself in portions of, Mm -hmm. or some or all of them and what a great gift to give back to women. So that's great. Congratulations on that launch. Now, um, you talk about brave women at work. I know you have a website, you do some coaching. Could I will put it in the show notes, but just briefly give us some idea of what people might find on their website and how they would find you. Sure. So the website is bravewomenatwork.com and you can link with me uh, also on LinkedIn. I'm very active on LinkedIn and you can find me just with Jennifer Pasekis, which I'm sure you can link up in the show notes. I also have a Brave Women at Work page on LinkedIn, but on the website, you're going to find out a little bit more about my story and bio. You're going to find out about the coaching services that I offer. I have a, a blog that I'm building on there links to all of the the podcast information, the book link is on there. So there's a lot of great uh, free resources for you to get started in your brave and resilient journey. Great. Thank you. And we'll um, remind people again at the end of the podcast here on that same information. And like you said, it will be in the show notes. So, all right, let's talk about women in negotiations and the negotiation conversations. I like to ask people kind of where their journey started and how their negotiation um, training came about, whether it was universities, um, there's programs out there that uh, you can, uh, organizations will send you to offsite training. And then of course, there's a school of hard knocks. Uh, how about you? What, what was your journey like? So when you, uh, when you asked me this question, I have to tell you, I'm of the school of hard knocks. So again, I am an example of anyone can do it. You know, you learn sometimes by getting your knees skinned and some bruises in the corporate landscape. So that's how I learned. It's just by going through negotiation after negotiation after negotiation. And I, I thought like, did I take any college courses? Nope. Did my company send me for negotiation training? Nope. But I have, I have to say, I love it. I love negotiations. I know they can be tough sometimes, but I love that process. Do you have any favorite books, any negotiation books that you ever lean on that come to mind? So I read recently one that was very good, and it's called Ladies Get Paid by Claire Wasserman. So I like that one. She is uh, of a different generation. She's younger than I am. I'm Gen X. I think she's more in the millennial generation. So some of her tips would apply to a younger audience, but it still was great nonetheless. And I wanted to turn it back to you, Penny, to see if you had any, because when you were, I was thinking about this question, I'm like, I don't, I just have done it on my own. So anyone's that, any books you want to share for recommendations? Well, actually, that's a great question back. Thank you for asking. I have on my website, I'm, I'm upgrading it right or updating it right now. All I have my back of my whole uh, bookcase behind my desk here is full of negotiation books. I read every one I can grab and I'm, I'm going to pick up this one you just recommended, but I do have a list of them and I'm going to do a short uh, book review on, on the different books. Well, the one that comes to mind that just is my go-to and it's from the 1980s and it's um, Getting to Yes 
and that's by mm-hmm. Fisher and Yuri. And they talk about the win-win negotiations and they do a really good job. And that was the first time I was exposed to that conversation. But I also have a number of at least two books that were written, written like you suggest, by women. Uh, I can't think of them off the top of my head right now, but I'll put those in the show notes as well. So thanks for asking because um, I had not heard of uh, Ladies Get Paid, but I do keep a list of uh, negotiation resources. So happy to share that as well. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about personal negotiations, either a new job and or a promotion or leaving, you know, from one company to another. Uh, did you negotiate your first salaried position, your professional position? So being honest, I did not. And I, I love this conversation because it's made me think in going to the Wayback Machine, Penny, and be like, <laughs> okay, what did I do and not do? So I will tell you, I, I've been in banking or financial services for my day job for over 20 years. And one of my first jobs was a bank teller. And if that job is still around in, in my retirement, I may go back to that because it's such a fun way to interact with people and people are happy because they're getting their money and stuff like that. So sure. um, it was a fun job, but I, I ended up making like $19,000 a year and I realized that I was undervalued and underpaid. And eventually, eventually I pushed myself out of that, but I did not negotiate um, for many, many jobs until probably I was pre-management. So embarrassed to say that, but also cautionary tale, do you negotiate early and often in your career? And the, and the thing is, you don't know what you don't know. I remember when we talked on our uh, previous podcast, um, you had mentioned that this is almost something that should be taught in high school. Uh, because negotiations yeah. is in all aspect of our lives, but especially for women in negotiation, I, I, there's just a, a, a little bit of a more hurdle, I believe. Um, I could be wrong, but that that's my perception of it. Now, are you in a hiring, any position where you're a hiring manager and are there any new trends in what's happening with negotiations with people coming in? So I am in a hiring position right now in my day job. Um, I thankfully I haven't. I just thought about this. I haven't had to hire in some time. I've, I've probably had a couple hires in the last few years, but I'm thankful that I've had a long-standing and a great team that supports me and supports um, all of the departments that I work with. In terms of trends, I've seen a lot of video interviewing, and I think that a lot of video hiring. And, you know, now with this whole post-COVID world, you could be hiring people entirely via video. You could not meet your employees. So I think being prepared to do negotiations, whether you're on one side or the other, to do it via video and how that could change, because, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about, you know, body language and reading into that person and listening and the pause and all of those things. How do you do that via video? How do you do that via Zoom is like the great question. So I think that's I'm going to be a trend in HR and negotiation moving forward. I like that. That's something I haven't heard yet. I ask this question a lot when I'm just out networking with people and I uh, and the resources that I have on my website, I've added uh, the job. I started calling it salary negotiations and I realized it's really not about all about salary. It's not just the dollars. And I've change the title to uh, job negotiations. And I have a list of memory joggers of everything that is from financial to, um, you know, um, bonuses and, uh, you know, uh, I can't, my, 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 my mind's going blank, you know, those incentives to, you know, maybe pet insurance or, and there's just some really odd things that I've seen start coming up. Yeah. 
incentives that I hadn't, uh, I hadn't heard of before. And uh, I knew that video, um, you know, interviews were, was logical because of COVID, but I hadn't thought about uh, the deep dive in the preparation of that. So that's, that's your great um, advice on there. Let's talk about negotiation conversations. When I teach negotiations, often there are people in the audience that are timid and they're, you know, hesitant to negotiate. But there's another style, which is actually my um, nemesis, and that is being too assertive. And especially for a woman, you have to really watch how you, um, there are some people you can use that style with, and there are other situations where you cannot. Have you found yourself in a position where you've had to adjust your style depending upon who you're negotiating with? And what style do you consider yourself currently? So this is an interesting question. So one thing that I interviewed another person on my podcast, her name is Catherine. And she owns a company called Worth More Negotiation. So to your prior question, she's got an awesome resource. Um, 70, it's like a list of 75 things you can negotiate. And some of the things on there, I'm like, I didn't think about that when I was just starting my career. So there's, there's another resource for you as an option. Um, one thing that I will say is I always tried to negotiate like a man, uh, when I would go into negotiations because I have not had a female boss in over 20 years. Um, it's not that that was by choice. It just kind of happened that way. So I have tried to negotiate like a man and sometimes it's worked and sometimes it hasn't because I've come off as too aggressive. So yes, um, I do, I do, you know, ebb and flow with the person I'm with. So again, going back to body language, uh, tone, I'm really leaning into that. So a lot of my negotiations, because I work in a hybrid work environment and I do a lot of internal negotiating, not just on the external side. But my internal negotiations, I'm watching for their, you know, are they leaning forward? Are they crossing their arms? Where are their eyes at? Are they looking down? Are they engaged? Uh, what is their tone? Am I starting to irritate them by the negotiation? So I'm very, very keyed in and watching and listening their words and their nonverbals in a negotiation. And I would say um, I have been, <laughs> this is funny. I have been called tenacious. So my boss calls me tenacious in negotiations. So maybe that's a good thing, Penny. I don't know. Maybe that's a bad thing. But I don't take no for an answer. So that would probably be my general style is that if it's a no at the front, you know, at the first conversation, I give it breathing room. I'm not going to be, you know, a pit bull and keep going and going and going. But on an internal negotiation, I'll just think about, oh, how did I not win that negotiation? How did, how can I go about it differently? And then give it some breathing room and then re, reapproach it in a different way. But yes, I do very much key in on who I'm in front of when I'm negotiating. Yeah. What I heard out of all that was your awareness. And, you know, yeah. it, it sounds like you're listening and you're just aware of what's going around even beyond the words. And I, I really mm -hmm. like that. Um, great information there. Let's talk about uh, role playing in a negotiation. Have you found it helped? Have you ever role played with someone before a negotiation? Any examples of that or an experience with that? I do it. I do it all the time. <laughs> so uh, my husband, I have to give him so much credit here. I have negotiated several of my last personal job negotiations with my husband. And he's tougher than I am in negotiating. And the other thing that we've done is we have pre 
like role played a negotiation for personal purchases. So an example would be, you know, timeshare negotiation is a really tough negotiation. Those people are hard salespeople. And we role played before we went in and decided to purchase a timeshare. And we ended up getting a great deal on that timeshare. So I have to give him a lot of credit. I do recommend to friends and colleagues that I talk to and with about negotiation, I always offer them, you know, hey, I'll, I'll role play with you. And I would just challenge anyone that's listening. I know that sounds silly or people get uncomfortable, but I believe it has made a huge difference in, you know, my personal negotiations and the outcomes. I would definitely agree with that. And I think the thing that helps with role playing is um, sometimes when I'm role playing, I will take the opposite side, not my position, but I would be the interviewee mm-hmm. or, you know, you know, because it makes me think about it from their perspective. What are their um, constraints? Uh, what, who are their, what their stakeholders might be? And that, that conversation works really well. And also I, what I really love about uh, your suggestion there is role-playing with your spouse, uh, a significant other, someone you respect in your networking group, because they often will take you away from that, getting too close to making a concession. You know, when you say, well, if they offer me this, I take, well, well, wait a minute, are you worth money? You know, they kind of make you um, think through your own position so that you're not uh, giving too much away too soon. And, um, you have a great resource there with your spouse uh, and leveraging mm-hmm. it. I'll give you a kudos for that, for sure. Thank Let's you. talk about uh, stakeholders. So my experience in, a, in the corporate world when I was in procurement with a buying team, our negotiations internally, if we're buying a commodity or a service or uh, equipment for the manufacturing plant, the negotiations internally with the engineers, the QA, um, what they wanted and how they were perceiving, you know, what they needed, if they needed a specific supplier, why they wanted that specific supplier. Those internal negotiations were often harder than the external mm-hmm. negotiations. What was your experience, uh, you know, with either employee, you know, hiring someone or buying something uh, of a service or a, a commodity? Sure. So this is, Penny, I was joking with you before we, we record that this is really my job internally is I feel like I'm one of the pushes for innovation in my organization and my day job. And I love it. The fact that my CEO gives me the latitude to push him and, you know, I don't want to say irritate them, but push them to their edge saying, Hey, this is how we can be better. This is how we can improve the experience for the customer. And so I will give you a live example my negotiations internally, so a recommendation I would have to anyone listening, if you're depends on the size and the complexity of the internal negotiation, my internal sales and negotiation cycles can take years. And I'm not <laughs> messing that up. It's not, you know, a few months. It can take years. Just because I am operating within um, a conservative organization, and I respect that. It's, it's served them well. It's, it's made them very successful. So I have had to build a lot of patience, not being patience, not being a patient person. So it's really <laughs> stretched my patience is the first thing. So be prepared, depending on the type of organization, to buckle up and, and take a while. And I think that it also takes a lot of up at bats 
for me personally. I'd love to maybe Penny hear from you, like, how can I shorten my cycle internally? <laughs> but uh, it takes a lot of up at bats for me because they're just not ready. And maybe I see them, you know, I can have the vision to see them two years from now. And they're like, they're not ready. And that means that you're, that doesn't mean you're not a good negotiator. That just means they're not ready. That doesn't mean your idea is poor or anything. That means you just have to reframe it and come back at, you know, after they've had a little bit more life, after they've had a little bit more work, uh, maybe more projects have kind of fallen into place. So the live example that I'm working on right now is I'm doing a humongous negotiation and evaluation for our digital platforms, uh, what you would consider online banking, mobile apps, things like that. I won't mention any of the companies, of course, but I'm doing that. And I've been working on that on and off for the last like three to four years. Um, I'm honing in on it and I'm hoping we come to some sort of decision, you know, by the end of this current year, or early next year. Uh, so that's an example where, you know, having to double back sometimes and say, hey, where are we at? Or testing for the reaction throughout the process to see, you know, I don't want to push them too fast. Uh, so that's really what I do every day. And I have to say, I just love it, Penny. It's a good thing that you love it. Uh, and I can see where the tenacious uh, personality type is helpful for you. Um, and I would not view that based on what you just said as negative. I would view it as like you're always still ready to listen to more, right? And and keep the conversation going. What I heard in what you said was your patience serves you because you don't give up. You, it sounds like you keep reframing. And um, I'm assuming that if once some things go over more than a year, sometimes even more than a few months, the players can even change. And someone that yes. was totally against it comes in going, why the heck haven't we been doing this? The only other th comment that I have is um, I have created a list and it, it, it's in the book I'm launching next year of clarifying questions. And I think I've got them up to mm. 25 different questions, things like help me understand. Could you restate that? So those are things that kind of help, like you talked about, I'm sure you're using them. And if you come with additional ones, if you see that list, love to have them from you um, that just help kind of people understand where you're coming from and then open up a conversation and what you think is the roadblock is something entirely different. Um, so mm -hmm. I think you're tenacious and you're, you know, kind of reframing and keeping um, back at it is probably served you very well. And, and I'll be um, rooting for you uh, internally for your <laughs> success you. of this hey, goal. Trying. I'll, I'll try. I'll have to keep in touch with you. <laughs> yeah, I would love to. It's like I did it. Send me a, and we'll we'll do a, a virtual toast. Um, and 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 when those do come, right? When you do reach that point where you've you know kind of got everybody on board, it is a great feeling, and it is a huge accomplishment. Oh. Yeah. Oh, it, it is. It is. I had another one earlier this year that I I won. Um, I actually did a tag team with someone else on another conversion, doing a lot of digital conversions in the, in the next few years. And it was a, a huge thing, but that is the funny thing. It's like, we're a smaller organization. So then it's like, oh, I have to actually implement now. <laughs> Careful what you wish for, right? <laughs> I, I know. It's almost like, why am I putting so much pain on myself? But I mean, yeah. it's all for the betterment, betterment of the right. experience, right? And that's right. my job. So that's why I do it. Yep. That's, um, that's amazing. Uh, so let's kind of just wrap up a little bit. Do you have any other negotiation comments or recommendations or lessons that, you know, you would tell your own daughter when she's, uh, uh, oh, you know, yeah. at an age when she's getting yeah. ready to negotiate? 
Oh yeah. Um, so I have two daughters, a 10 year old Charlotte and a four year old Olivia and God bless me with two beautiful girls. And yes, I definitely will mention some things to them. So I'm going to give you an interesting uh, lesson I learned and something that you don't think about when, when negotiating, but I think we should. So a uh, quick, very quick story, but I negotiated a, the salary coming into this job and knew the, the hiring manager, had a longstanding relationship with him. And my husband, I don't, he's just so keen on this. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. He's just got skills here. He's like, Hey, where are you sitting? In, in the building. And I said, oh, it's, you know, I'm sitting with, um, uh, you know, all of the administrative assistants in like a long row outside of the vice president offices. And he said to me immediately, because I was hired to be more of a right-hand person operations manager. He said to me immediately, he said, you need to negotiate for a different seating arrangement, like immediately, like yesterday. And I didn't because I didn't want to make waves and mm. I knew the tiring manager and I didn't think about it. And I want to just state that I have nothing against administrative assistants or executive professional, you know, assistant professionals. Like I think it's a fine uh, career, but it wasn't what I was hired to do. Right. So what ended up happening over those four to five years, I was there about five years. I never, ever overcome the stigma that right. I was an administrative professional, never. And so when they say, and you know, people make decisions on you in the first 15 seconds, they aren't kidding. And right. that was my reality. And so when they did talent management review internally in that organization, they said I wasn't management material. Wow. When they did, you know, reviews, they said I was tactical, not strategic. So now that all of my job is pretty much strategic, when I, I'm, it's a very close industry. I've, you know, hobnobbed with these people on the other side. Now they're, they'll say, oh, we always knew you had it in you, but they didn't see it in the environment. I had to leave the environment to see it, to have people see it. And really for me to see it in myself. So I would just say, really watch many things in negotiation and don't forget about where are you sitting? What is the environment? You know, just way beyond. And, and Penny, I have to give a shout out on your website. You have so many amazing, free, generous resources. So check out Penny's website too, because it goes beyond. I mean, compensation is important, but it goes beyond compensation. So where you sit is also to be negotiated. I think that is an amazing example. I, I appreciate you for that. What I heard is advocate for yourself because how they see you determines mm -hmm. how they treat you and determines how yep. they, your promotion capability now. And I will add that, um, I can hear women say, well, you know, I don't want to insult the administrative people. I don't want them to think that I'm high maintenance. Um, and I would mm -hmm. say what I said when my son was a teenager, um, it's not what you say. It's not what you ask. It's how you ask it. If you go in saying, I demand, I want an office on the corner on the first floor or the fifth floor, whatever, that's a whole different thing than um, having a conversation and saying, how do you see me? What do you think my potential is? If you, if you see me out, you know, there's a way to have that conversation that is a positive way. And again, role-playing with someone like yourself or some mentor outside of your organization that you trust, they will help you put the words together that are respectful and also um, put you in a better negotiation position and um, a better position for your career. That's a great one. I, Jen, I thank you so much for that example. Uh, 
So what are you reading for business, fiction, fun, anything on the, on your yeah. shelf that you'd share? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'll share. Um, so I've got one business one for business related. So it's called playing big by Tara Moore. And I've just started it recently. One of my other podcast guests, you know, recommended it to me. So mm-hmm. I picked it up and it talks about, you know, owning your voice and just like the title playing big as a woman that women will often and many times they'll just say, Oh, I'm not ready or I can't do this or, you know, this or that. And I'm as guilty as anyone. And so it's just reminding me and she has some amazing, you know, principles and resources in that book. So I would highly recommend as I'm, I'm just getting started with it, but it's excellent so far. It's called playing big by Tara Moore. Okay. And then uh, one that I just finished that I just love, and it has nothing to do with business. It's more about fun. It is a short story compilation, I would say. It's, I guess I haven't learned that yet by <laughs> Shauna Nequist. So I guess I haven't learned that yet by Shauna Nequist. And she used to live in Illinois and she moved her entire family after just some I would say devastating, big changes in her life and her work. She and her family decided to uproot from the suburbs of Illinois and move to New York City, which is wow. Wow. That's wow. a radical change. Yeah. And she talks all about, in short stories, all of her the things that she's learned and unlearned. Mm. And at the back of the book, it's she's so generous. She gives like a tour of New York city. So if you are going to be going to New York city, like she gives you like places to go and things to eat and restaurants. And it's just, it's so fun. So I would highly wow. recommend that book too. What a great idea person. I could see a person picking that up just, you know, for that reason alone. Uh, yeah. A double win there on it. Well, I want to wrap up and remind listeners, you have a book coming out in October. I want you to remind the title of it and, um, you know, for sure where they can get it. So let's start with that. Sure. So the book again is Brave Women at Work, Stories of Resilience, and it's coming out in hardcover on October 11th. And you can also pick up the ebook right now, wherever books are sold. Wonderful. Wonderful. Jen, thanks so much. And uh, that makes it a wrap for this conversation, negotiation conversations with, in this case, brave women at work. Thanks, Jen. Thank you so much. Thank you.